Hey, what's up? This is CJP, and you're listening to the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering the Ring. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling you can call me a sherpa and that's what i expect you guys to call me whenever you see me out on these streets but more importantly every good sherpa knows that you got to have someone who's been there done that and can do it better than you can and that's why it's never about me but it's about who's entering the ring and today our guy comes to us from swf gcw jcw pws trifecta and fwf he is the man the myth the legend the mountain of a man call him king jeter how you doing, everybody? What is up, man? I am grateful that you're here on the show with us today. I am hyped about this. Thank you, man. I'm happy I have me here. Batman, so, like, what people don't know is that we've had, like, a full 20-minute conversation. And... A minute, actually. <laughs> yeah. Everybody would be like, what would you guys talk about? Everything. Baseball. Everything. You guys get things. <laughs> <up. laughs> That's like. Lo- but I always say wrestling includes everything. It's all inclusive. Going back to what we said earlier. Yeah, we've definitely had. Uh, it's, it's been a it's been a wild. Uh, and I tell people all the time, I was like, man, it's like these shows go like 35, 30, 35 minutes, can depending on how long everybody wants to talk. But I'm always like, it's the before and after conversations that everybody's like, if you only knew like what we get to talk about yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. It'd be like that. It, same thing like with locker room talk. We always be telling people like, man, they couldn't even imagine what our conversations is like. No, not at all. But yo, I'm grateful that you're here, man. We actually met a couple times, man. So we met at SWF back in May of earlier this year. Then again, we just, you know, we hit it back off in October. And I was like, man, I can't wait to get him on. Because, yo, we legit, we were BSing about, I, I felt like we just talked about, and we were just wrestling related. We were talking about comic books. And this comic book Talks about comic books, uh, the new screen movie, all types of things. <laughs> that so it was like a whole con- sort of conversation. Like one of my favorites. <laughs> Bet, man. But let's get into it first, man. So, who is King Jeter? Um, the character or the person? That's a better answer. Why not both? I'll explain them both. All right, King Jeter, the character is a professional wrestler who's based loosely on who I am as a person. We have a lot of the same experiences and stuff. We share, uh, I would say we almost share the same views politically. I think King Judah is honestly a little bit nicer a person. <laughs> the character that King Judah the person is political, but we share a lot of similarities and stuff. And he was a hard basis, but the original idea that for me to wrestle as myself as King Judah came from LeBron James, actually. At a time period, I'm a big fan of subtle gimmicks. Like, I don't like overt gimmicks. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Like, um, let's say I'm playing a cop gimmick, and there's no knock on police officers or nothing like that. But due to today's political climate, if I play a cop gimmick and I'm supposed to be a bad guy, that's kind of like an overt gimmick. People already know what to expect from it. But if I was just uh, any other kind of gimmick, but I implemented certain aspects of certain things, it creates a character that can be both compelling, but still unique in its own way. With LeBron James, what's LeBron James' gimmick? LeBron James' gimmick is that he's the king. So it became a mirror-mirror effect where King Judah's gimmick was that he was LeBron James. 
So I did a lot of LeBronisms and stuff as I kind of looked at how he he worked the crowd. And look at the thing, like going back to what we saw my last Wednesday, people are still riled up by LeBron for the littlest of things, things that he don't even really do next to anything. So yeah. I, at that time period, I really studied it a lot. And I was the heel version of King Judah, but my similarities were more similar to the Miami Heat LeBron James. As a baby face, I just take the aspects of myself that's very likable and push them to the forefront, like my patriotism and other things like that. Yeah, I like it. And you're right, man. Like the most like people connect with characters that like they can either A, relate to or B, are just like genuine. And I- yeah. That's why I like I thoroughly like enjoy like running as like what I'm running as right now, and it's not even like oh it's not like over gimmicky because it's just me. Yeah, if you met me outside. It's not like, overt. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like this. Dude it's is you who you are. The quote I think it was Macho Man who said it back in the days. He said, "Your gimmick is supposed to be you with the volume turned up." I always find gimmicks that's closer to the real life person a lot better than if somebody per se just decides. Well, you know what? Today I'm I'm the lost cousin of Batman and I could jump off the building and not break both my legs. It's cool. I'm not gonna knock your gimmick. That's your gimmick, it's your business, but it feels more overt to me. And it can't resonate as being close to home. Whereas I look at like a lot of my fans have an uncle or father or older brother that's like King Jeter. So he's a more relatable character in that sense. Rather than Lucifer Dark Side, where I had an overt gimmick where everything was pushed to the forefront. Right. And that's why I tell people, too, is like, you know, like, because like my character, first of all, like name's Red Dog, because my first name's Clifford. And like, that's just the story inside of itself. And then secondly, like, <laughs> I'm military, right? But what often gets confused is that people hear military or the term mercenary, and they automatically mm-hmm. assume you're, you're supposed to be like the stoic, like, ayo, like, very professional Rambo. Like, face. yeah rambo and i'm like no 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 if you guys have been on any kind of fucking deployment or you guys know a guy who's been mm-hmm. on one, you know that kind of humor that is and... the furthest thing for the truth <laughs> i was like yo yeah yeah a lot of military people what i have what they say they have uh what i call end of the world sense of humor like <laughs> dude no guarantee we're all coming back from this. So what are we holding back on the pleasantries for? Let's just live our life, have a good time, laugh, and hopefully at the end of this tour, we're all sitting back here telling the same story. Growing up in the hood, I resonated with that. Like I, like I was saying, you know, you see so much death and destruction about you. It's like, dude, I don't have time for fake, for fake pleasantries. Let's just be authentic and real. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, have a nice day. Right. And I, I see a lot of military people tend to be that way. That's why I'm like, nah, that's more down to earth than expecting somebody to be John Rambo. <laughs> yeah. You catch a few of them. I'm like, Jesus, man, the average military person isn't that. No. And what's so funny was like, even like, so I had a match recently and I was wearing like a vest, right? And a dude chopped me. And uh, his mm-hmm. his character is that he's like a big, like old school Shakespearean actor, right? And I was like, <laughs> I legit took the chop, right? But obviously, like, I didn't sell it. I just had the pressure push back, right? And I was like, does thy know that I have, I, that I have a, sh- a, I was like, does thy know that I have a chest protector? It protects thy, my thespian. And then, like, yo, everybody was like, what? <laughs> that was like, oh, yeah. She yeah like that stuff like that, that just, it throws the crowd for a loop, and it shows that you're a real person. You're not... Like I said, it's, it's subvert gimmicks. It's not over. It's not in everybody's face. It's very relatable. 
I always I laugh too because with the Shakespearean guy, I've seen him work before. He reminded me of the Bucks Bunny joint I was watching last night. Um, it was like like Bunny hugged or something like that. What was his name? Ravishing Ronald. That was his name. He came out and the crutcher just like pummeled him in the bunch of bag. But I just died laughing. Every time I see that guy, I think of Ravishing Ronald. I love him though. <laughs> Such a nice dude, and I I was very honored I got to work with him too. So I was like. Don't put it out there, but I was like, yeah, yeah, no, like I love him. And like, we had such a great conversation in the back and we were just talking to stuff. And like, I was just, I don't know. And then like, the more we start, and it's funny too, cause like, like as a, as a green dude myself, right? Like I always, I always get like very like self-conscious about like talking about, and this is probably something you can help, help with it too. Like you're self-conscious cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how long you've been in, but I'm not really trying to be like, Hey, let me step on some toes. But like, I'll yeah. listen and I'll, I'll talk to you. And then if we put a match together and you come out with like, Hey, I'm going to do like 90% of moves bet, whatever. I don't care. I'm just there to do a job, but people will remember me because of how I acted or what I portrayed. Mm-hmm. And the second time that we run this back, the next time we run this back, like believe there's going to be a lot more shit that happens with me talking to you in the match. Because afterwards you like, you meet each other and you're like exchange your pleasantries like oh you know thank you for the match brother like it was so much fun and i'm and in my mind we're now friends and i'm going to push the limit <laughs> what that friendship looks like <laughs> now nah, i could dig it man but i always tell people stuff like that so just because somebody's new to the business don't mean they don't have no good ideas about the business and stuff every work is different as a greenhorn like believe it or not a lot of the stuff I do now is, is stuff that I bought back because I've been in the business for so long. But it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of vets back then that felt kind of the same way. Like, now listen, youngster, let me take ninety percent of the match, and I gave it to them. And a lot of times, I just felt like some of them, the guys, it worked well. I was like, man, he got a real mind for the business. I'm happy that he took over control of the match. Left me with less to think about. But I also tell people, you know, don't get too comfortable with that. Everybody's going to be different. You'll always wrestle people who have a little more, a little less knowledge than you. The prime example is when I was with Goldust, like, he didn't call the majority of that. He actually was very generous with me. He gave me a lot. And I, I'll always be appreciative of it. Whereas I worked other guys who had more time than me and not as much as Goldust, per se. They'd be like, oh, man, I, just make sure you get your moon sword in and that's about it, kid. Just sit there and laugh. Like, all right, man. <laughs> all right, you got it. You got it. Sometimes you got Yeah. Sometimes... There's a wise quote from a song I like. The young might not be so dumb. From the young, you might even learn. Yeah. Don't quote it too much. They'd be mad at you for quoting Charles Manson like that. <laughs> <laughs> you would be like, yo, I don't, I don't like this at all. Who the hell does this kid think he yeah. is? They said that didn't find out. It's Charles Manson. Huh? Well, <laughs> Got him. So you've mentioned, you mentioned that you've been in for quite some time, right? And, and when we were talking before, you were talking mm-hmm. about being in the 2000s. So what brought you into the sport to begin with? Um, I always was a fan. Like, I'm one of them kids, like, honest to God, when I was in kindergarten, I already knew, like, yo, I'm going to be a wrestler. The teacher was like, yo, I went to Miami this weekend. We seen Hulk Hogan wrestle. And he's like, I bet you, you guys like wrestling, right? And then he looked at me and said, I bet you, you want to be the wrestler, don't you? And I just laughed. I said, I don't want to be the wrestler. I am going to be the wrestler. <laughs> and in years to come, it's like, you know, everybody thought it was a joke or that I would grow out of it, but it wasn't. As years progressed, I got more and more into it. 
had a lot of different favorites over the years. And I'm more of a feud guy than a particular, like just one set of wrestler. So I would say that I always say this, the last few that I watched that after I watched, I was like, yo, dude, I got to be a pro wrestler. There's no way I can miss out on this. Like, look at what they're doing out there. This is phenomenal. Was The Rock and Triple H. Their last few in the late 90s, early 2000s is when I said, nah, I, I think I can do this. I kind of want to do this with my life. And oh. that was it. Once, once 2000 came and I went to wrestling school, I was like, it's time to do this. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna agree, man. Rock and Rock and Hunter like always like killed it with with feuds and like they they just yeah, knew like how to vibe off each other so well, and that was just an awesome thing to watch. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite feuds of all time. It took me a lot of years to like Hunter because of how much I disliked him because I was a Rock fan and how much I loved the feud. Like I bought into that thing all the way. Like it, a lot of people talk about their wrestling Mount Rushmore out of. Rock is the only one that's still alive on my wrestling Mount Rushmore, but he's definitely like if I had to put one person, I'd put him at the top. Not just because he's the only one alive, but it's his overall impact on the business. Think about it. Like going back to what we said, got many family members hired. He really created the lane between Hollywood and pro wrestling for this generation. Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper, in my opinion, did it the generation before him. Right, but none of them had the level of blockbuster success in, in movies like The Rock. He literally kicked that door wide open for everybody. He's one of the greatest, very underappreciated for his abilities. Oh, yeah. It's, it's weird, too. We'll take this on a side step. I remember when the movie Skyscraper yeah. came out, right? And it, like, it, it bombed. Let's be real. It bombed in the domestics, right? Yeah, yeah. But he kept telling everybody, he was like, just wait till the international numbers come in. Just wait, just wait. And when they came in, it pulled that movie like way out of uh out of the negative and into the positive by a, a good chunk and he was just like people internationally just love me they love all the movies i do he's like just trust that this is gonna work and yeah he was right man he's crazy and like he could that's that's like one of the few dudes that legit everything he touches like turns into gold and think about it initially that wasn't the case he didn't even feel that he always talks about that in all his books and interviews, like, yo, dude, man, I, I even counted myself out. It's just, you go hard sometimes and good things will happen for you. And I always have respect for his hustle, man. He, to me, he was this generation's Kerry Von Erich, and he just didn't mess up his life. Like, if Kerry would have never lost a foot and never got addicted to drugs and stuff, I think he had the potential to be The Rock, the generation before The Rock. But with everything that happened to him, unfortunately, he never was able to reach that pinnacle, whereas The Rock was him without the floor. He was able to reach the pinnacle. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, man. I agree with you 100% with that. It's a fair assessment. But I want to talk about some things. Speaking of rock bottoms, let's talk about mm-hmm. it. Man. You've been in it for a long time, man. I need to know, what's the worst bump you've taken? Uh, man, I've taken so many bad ones. <laughs> you know, you you be around for so long, man. It's, I, I would say the worst bump I took was um, I took one of them two-handed choke slams from Vince Steele, like the Albert bomb. And Vince Steele is, he had to be like 530 pounds. And he bumped early instead of bumping like even with me. So the ring was actually catapulting back up as I was falling. When that happens, it doubles the impact on hitting the ring. It feels like you hit the concrete floor. And then on top of that, the 530 pound man, 
fell on top of me for the pin. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. That one was bad. Like, I was, I was thinking, God, I didn't have to wrestle again the next day. Like, yo, I would have had to call out of this book. And I, I'm completely ran over now. Damn. <laughs> That's rough. So seeing that you've been around and you've met, like, a lot of different people, and I'm just kind of curious in all the matches that you had, what's been mm-hmm. one of the hardest hits you've ever taken? Mm, hard hits. I, I, I guess I'll just have to break it down into which category. My trainer hit me with the hardest elbow, but he has a steel plate in his form. So <laughs> that constitutes that. As far as kicks, Davey Richards has one of the top kicks that I've ever felt. But his running kick is pale in comparison to Mia Yim. Mia Yim's running kick was way harder than his by, by a lot. His standing kick eats us alive, but his running kick, holy shit. That on the apron, hers ate his alive. She's definitely in my top notch of, of kickers, not even just for females, for men too. Uh, as, as far as slams, that still goes back to my trainer. He gave me, before Vince still gave me the Albert bomb, we, I went for a blockbuster off the second rope and he countered it by catching me with the Albert bomb when I was halfway over. We put a dent in the ring. Like my legs were sticking out of a hole in the ring. That would have to be like really one of them hardest slams. Damn. <laughs> and I, could, <laughs> I could definitely see how Mia Yim, like Mia Yim does not look like she plays around. She's like, I'm, and then like afterwards, she won't apologize to you. She just kicks you as hard as she can. She just walks away from it. I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like that would be like the way things would have to work out. <laughs> She's tough, man. That's one of my favorite matchups when me and her worked each other. I was, like I said, I'm still kind of sad that they released her, but I'm happy because maybe she'll find better business opportunities elsewhere. But she is super underrated, super dope, really good wrestler. Oh, yeah. I, when uh, the moment I saw her pop up on the screen, I was like, let's go. And then, like, she, and she was having all these great matches and doing all this great stuff at NXT. And then they brought her up to the main roster and they gave her that reckoning gimmick. And I was like, let her work. I was like, you don't even have enough women on this <laughs> roster to constitute Believe it this. Or not, I, su- I supported the gimmick. Just I supported the whole retribution gimmick just because of her. I mean, I liked the gimmick in general because to me, this is my theory about hacker gimmicks. Whenever WWE brings out a hacker gimmick, it's just a weird coincidence I've happened to notice. But every time they have a hacker gimmick, there's always a new watchdog game that comes out. When Sammy Callahan was supposed to be Solomon Crow, that was the time of Watch Dogs 2. So he was the only solo hacker, just like the lead character in that game. Now, if you look, when Retribution debuts, that's right along the time as Watch Dogs Legion. And what happened? You had a crew of hackers in that game, and now you have a crew of hackers as a wrestling team. <laughs> I, I felt like that's where they got the gimmick from. But as somebody who's into technology, and not to mention, I always wanted to do a hacker gimmick myself. I liked it. And it, and then it had a friend in the gimmick. So automatically, I was a big supporter of it just because she was in it. Like, I even have that on my list of, like, Mattel action figures to buy her reckoning figure. Because she was just such a cool person. And it gave me a chance to to have a Mia Yim figure. Yeah, I just, I'll be honest. I just want a Mia Yim figure. I just, just her. She's just a badass. <laughs> That's all I need. That's what I told people. A lot of people feel the same way. Like I said, man, I can confirm, man, she's one of the toughest workers I, I've had to step in the ring with. It was thoroughly a good time working on. Bad, man. 
Well, let's talk about it, right? So after a match, man, or after a show, everybody got to have that post-match mm-hmm. snack, that post-match meal. So I'm curious, man, what is yours? <laughs> um, I'm partial to a Wawa's turkey sandwich. That's always like, I like, I like Wawa's and like quick and check stuff like that. And I don't really eat a lot of meat, believe it or not. I'm, I'm damn near a vegan. So I, I, I prefer turkey or like some kind of like beyond meat stuff that's like byproducts. Mm. After a show, I like to go get me a turkey sandwich, some soda, and um, what Iron She calls it Iranian tobacco, but I guess nowadays they call it medicinal CBD. <laughs> hey. I'm not a big fan of pills because pills don't guarantee you're going to wake up in the morning. No, <laughs> I, I that it goes back to the Kerry Von Eric thing when you see it, what your heroes go through, you try not to make some of the mistakes they do. So I'm very like iffy on pills, but CBD is my joint. Yeah, I that's <laughs> that I, I will not front man because, like, as a dude who like I suffer from PTSD, like, my boy from mm-hmm. Vegas is always like, Hey man, like, I have all these yeah, oils and stuff like that. Yeah, so he. I have a I have a hookup and he's just like, hey man, I'll send you whatever you need. Just let me know. I tried out like nah, the first time I started good. doing it. Yes, yeah, yeah, he gave me some lotion. He's like, just put it on your knees, put it on your back. I guarantee you'll feel better. I was like, okay. The first time I was like, man, maybe. The second time I was like, oh man, I feel like I'll run a marathon. Not that I want to, but. <laughs> Yo, I tell I tell people, man. I, I used to be a five hundred pound man. Like everybody knows that. When my moon soul went viral, I was 489 pounds. But like most of my workout, because I was going to the gym like six times a week, the first year that I was working out, uh, most of that I did on CBD because it, it stops the inflammation. So I don't feel the joint pain. It allowed me to focus on my workouts. And, and in some cases with certain, certain strands, it just, for me personally, it upped my adrenaline. The body high. It took everything away, the stress, the anxiety, the pain, everything, and allowed me to just go day in and day out. After a year, I had lost 100 pounds. In two years, I lost 200 pounds. Look at you. It's a monster, man. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, that, what? I was like, I'm going to be honest. I've shared a story, like, one other time, like, ever. But, uh, like, I was mm-hmm. weighing, like, 230, and I was just, like, I was, ob- I was obese, right? But I wasn't, like, morbidly obese. Yeah, that's big for your height. Yeah, yeah, you know, being 5'10", being 5'10", weighing, you know, 230. My daughter came up to me, man, and she poked me in my belly, and she was just like, you're kind of squishy. And then my wife laughed, and I was like, <laughs> oh, no, we've reached that point. I was like, we got to do something. Got to do something big. <laughs> and so I just, I lost a whole bunch of weight. And I, I didn't do it unhealthy, because I was just eating and working out, like, all the time. But I dropped down. That's like, what I did. Eat and work out. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. It was, and I dropped down to like 180. And then at that point, that's when I got all the messages. Are you okay? Are you sick? Do you, you should probably eat more food. I'm like, what? No, bro. Like I'm, I'm happy. And then like, I got it to like 200 pounds and I was like, oh, I'm happy here. <laughs> so I'm going to stay right around this area. I dropped, I dropped down to, from 500, I dropped down to a beer belly in 270. Because <laughs> at that time I wasn't working that I wasn't wrestling that much. I was working construction. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if you're a construction worker, you tend to not dress pretty good. You dress bad because you're a construction worker. Right. People actually thought I was I got the are you smoking crack talk? <laughs> My clothing had got so bad I lost 200 pounds. So a lot of people was wondering, 
Like, hey, man, you're not um, pissing with any of that stuff, are you? I'm like, no, dude, I work construction. That's why my clothes look like this. But I was, I was, I said, but thank you for the compliment if I lost that much weight to you. <laughs> I'd be like, bro, it's, yo, it's not crack. Heroin. <laughs> Don't you drive. I think it was Aqua Teen. Remember, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, they had, uh, what do you call it? He was like, it's the Bronx Paradise diet. And it's like, what did you need, Bronx Parasite? And it, being from the Bronx, they definitely bought that. I was like, you sure you ain't on that Bronx Paradise diet? I like, oh, man. Six days in the gym or do that for you for a year. Right. Like, I'm super addicted to working out. Right now is, like, the longest I've been out of the gym. And that has more to do with the politics of... Uh, I don't like nobody to get demonetized, so we'll just call it the jab, if you know what I'm talking about. Right. They don't let you in the gym without that. So that and a shoulder injury. Currently, I'm rehabbing this sucker. By by January, though, I'm hoping to be back in the gym full speed. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, for me, like, I'm in the gym probably, like, four days out of the week. And it's, like, I go and then, like, obviously training and then shows. So it's, like, four days is pretty good. And I always take, like, Wednesday off. But nah, I noticed that. Real good. Yeah, and I noticed that this week, or I noticed this past week, like my body was just like, go to bed, just stay asleep. And I, my alarm goes off. And I'm like snooze. I was like, all right, I can't, I'm just not, not. And all last week I just took off from the gym. So today, like this morning, we'll let you full transparency. We're recording this on a Monday. Um, all of a sudden I, I, I wake up and my phone's gone off and I shut it off. I fall back asleep. I was like, put my head on the pillow. And I was like, all right, it's gotta be like 545. I guess I'll get up. No, it was 505. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right let's go let's go to the gym <laughs> it's like whatever <laughs> but yeah i know that feeling man it's, when you ain't been in it like you know get that week off your body feels refreshed it's like you be chomping at the bits to get back in there well, at least i know i do like i said i'm addicted to it yep i love the high that i get off of it man so i'm just like i gotta keep going yeah so i'm curious man Some like people never understand I was like, I'm curious, man. I, I know that uh, you've been in for a long time. So what's the hardest lesson that you've had to learn in your time? Mm, that's a good question. Um, take nothing as permanent and take nothing for granted. It's two hardest lessons. I don't, I, you know, I had guys who I started with and I mean, I did everything for these guys, man. I would even get into backstage fights to protect them. And he said, people don't like him these days. And I sit back and I think about it like, man, I probably did my career damage trying to help these guys. But rather than hold the gripe about it or hold the grudge, you just keep hustling hard. But you definitely think, you know, that, that showed you those friendships weren't permanent. It didn't matter if I've been friends 10, 20 years and stuff like that. And as far as taking nothing for granted, like, we're not the moonsault that went viral, honestly, bro. That, those were two of my worst moonsaults ever. I would have never thought in a million years those would have went viral at all. And just like how I was like, yo, we're doing this right now, and I'm switching back and forth. I'm watching the basketball game. That's exactly what happened. I'm sitting in my living room, about to do a podcast, watching a basketball game. They're like, um, your video's going viral. It's already up to half a million views. I'm like, huh? I took it for granted, and I seen how fast that happened, and it changed my whole career, honestly. If, if my thing didn't go viral, I would probably be blackballed right now. That's an honest equation. Man, that's crazy, though. 
and it's i mean it's good that it went viral because then obviously like now you get you know you're you're working pretty much everywhere you're doing a lot i'm not everywhere but i am getting a lot of work and i'm very happy for that like once again take nothing for granted i'm very humble and happy that for the opportunities i get so then let's talk about it man like what kind of advice would you give to up-and-coming wrestlers Mm. I'm going to mix it with a bit of advice that one of my friends gave me. Going And it, it plays into the last thing, too. What, what, what my homie had told me was, because you'll get betrayed a lot in, in your journey in pro wrestling, he said, when you get to a certain level and you know you're exactly at, almost at where the zenith of where you want to be, if you need someone to vent to, get a psychiatrist. If you need someone to watch your back, buy security. That's what he told me. He said, because a lot of people will be resentful of you because of your level of success and stuff like that. And you just, you can't take your success for granted. It's not going to definitely be there tomorrow. This could be the last year, 15 minutes of fame. So protect yourself as best you can, like if it's a boxing match, and go out there and work the hardest you can. That was his advice to me. My advice to youngins is always, it starts with, it starts at the beginning of your journey. What school you're going to pick. Figure what you want to do in the business out and then let that dictate which school you go to. Like when I started, I told you I wanted to go to WCW, but I wanted to be a luchador too. When I went to Doghouse, I met a guy who was a lucha libre trainer and he showed me a whole bunch of lucha libre moves. Being in Doghouse, it also allowed me to train with guys like Homicide and Low Key way before anybody else got those type of opportunities. And I love everything that happened for me, but going back, if I could look at how the game is now, I would have wanted to probably have went to the WWE going into the situation. So thus far, if I went to Johnny Rods, he had a bigger connection with the WWE. That's a big thing. So don't go to a school just because, oh man, my friend goes there or I'm a big fan of the wrestler who teaches the school. Make sure that the school you pick is well-equipped to handle basically what's going to be your mission in pro wrestling. If in your head you think you want to go to the WWE, go to schools of people like Booker T and them dudes who's already associated with the WWE. They got namesake and notoriety and can get you in there. If, you're, if your thing is to just be the best wrestler in the indies, man, I would say look up wherever Homicide's teaching. It's a hell of a teacher. But it all depends on what your journey is. For my journey, I personally found that working with guys like Homicide and Low-Key and, um, and stuff like that, that worked for me but it wouldn't work for everybody else. That's just my journey. For everybody, concentrate on what your journey is and pick the right school because it's going to give you a big head start. Look at it like a role-playing game. You're going to start off with the best stats and pick the school that's in line with what you want to do. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's actually, I, I like that advice a lot, man. So I'm curious, man. You've been around for a long time. You've been in a lot of different locker rooms, so I just need one do and one don't of the locker room. Okay, uh, a duo of the locker room, shake everyone's hand. I even shake hands with people I don't like. I believe it's just unethical. I, I was brought up that way. I always do that. A donor of the locker room, despite how friendly locker rooms are supposed to be and stuff like that, do not leave your shit around. One of the old tricks I used to do to make sure my shit didn't get stolen was I'd wrap it up to look like a garbage bag and throw it to the side because most wrestlers, don't take care of the locker room. So the idea of throwing something in the garbage isn't going to actually happen. That's the only bag they won't bother is the garbage bag. But 
I was always the person that at the end of the night, all my belongings were exactly where they're supposed to be. And if you're lucky enough that you're one of the people that drive, after you change, throw your shit in the car. Because some of these locker rooms, despite we all supposed to be brothers and locker room etiquette and stuff, they will take your shit. Be mindful of your belongings and make sure to be respectful to everybody. That's another good way to make sure bad things don't happen to you in a locker room. We've all heard about with certain vets do to people's bags and stuff when you get on the bad side of wrestlers. This is true. This is true. I've heard these horror stories a lot. (laughs) I've been part of some of these horror stories a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I've been around long enough. We punished rookies back in the days. I'll be the first to tell you, we punished. I got punished when I was a rookie, and I damn sure did punish you. Bad. Well, those are all my heavy-hitting questions, man, but we do got to get into the second-best segment of the Three Count Podcast. People ask me what's the first. I tell them all the time. It's the Red Dogs Power Rankings you can find every Sunday on the debate show, which actually the last few, like there's been two episodes now that doesn't have them, but don't worry about that. Usually you can find them there. But anyway, this is the Three Count Podcast, 10-count questions. Mr. King, this is how it works. I'm going to fire off 10 questions at you rapid fast. Whatever's your answer, that's your answer. All right. So we're going to put on imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing. And here (laughs) we go. Smackdown or Raw? All right. Uh, Smackdown. Favorite movie? Mm. Full-time killer. Okay. A splash or an elbow drop? Mm, splash, moonsault to splash. <laughs> All right, favorite color? Blue, currently. Okay, Spider-Man or Batman? Mm, Spider-Man, hate Batman. Favorite sports team? New York Knicks. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Favorite podcast? Your podcast, I'm here right now. That's what I'm saying. It's not like it's it's nowhere around. (laughs) Nominate one person you want to see on this podcast. Mm, Low key. Yes. All the yes to that. And then last but not least. Say again. Oh, anyone there? He sounds like an RBG villain, but I love hearing him talk. (laughs) Last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this podcast favorite curse word oh uh, fuck or if i'm going to aew shit sucker because they'll let me say that on tv <laughs> <laughs> but yeah good f bomb is is relative for everything man Absolutely. i'm always i'm always telling people i was like if you have it and i'm trying to re get this this video be viral i guess is the way we could put it but if you haven't seen the history of the f word on youtube please go check it out i keep telling you guys <laughs> to go do it it is a great video it's five minutes long and it's worth all five minutes <laughs> make me think of the old link biscuit song when you say ain't it a shame that you can't say fuck fuck's just a word and it's all fucked up <laughs> <laughs> bet well there we have it and all i need from you king jeter is just to let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find you all right, definitely. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at King Bronx Jeter. On Instagram, I'm King Double Underscore Jeter. And on YouTube, it should be King Jeter Wrestler. You can just put it in the search bar. 
the picture has me with gold dust and the sleeper holes, so you can't mistake me for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Bet. Well, there you have it. You guys know where you're I want to rematch, Dustin. If Dustin see this, I want to rematch. <laughs> <laughs> Bet. Well, there you have it, guys. You guys know where to find him, and then you can actually watch his match with Goldust, too, on YouTube. But you know what that means. We got to take it home, right? We just, we're going to take it home, which means this is the Three Count Podcast. Brendan's now entering the ring in. Like I said, I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. That's right. You can call me a Sherpa, but it's never about me. It's always about who's entering the ring because like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it better than you can. And so today, my guests are now entering the ring. You see him right next to me, King Jeter himself, and you guys know what to do. Tune in to the next episode and be there, or you just wait for this episode to end, you wait for that outro, <laughs> and then you choose another episode. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like, give us a follow. Leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to YouTube.com. Give us a subscribe. Turn the bell on. Turn on notifications. Leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the Three Count Podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say also one thing i need you to do for me the three count podcast also has merchandise at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod please go buy our t-shirts we love you guys and we hope you love us too so show some support please